You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, once again coming to you live from downtown Portland, Oregon at StartupRadioNetwork.com. Our pre-recorded or pre-recorded on your phone's podcast app. Your host, Dave Dahl, creator and founder of Dave's Killer Bread, is unfortunately under the weather. I think he stayed up too late last night. But here on Felony Inc. Podcast, we share inspiring stories that prove that your past doesn't dictate your future. By practicing certain principles and working very hard, you can transform your life. Our guests prove this again and again. And to see what Dave is currently up to, check out his Facebook pages and visit DaveDahl360.com. Uh, I'm Lad Justison. I met Dave 20 years ago in prison, Snake River Prison in Ontario, Oregon. We started jamming guitars together and are still at it today. In fact, we played last Friday and Saturday. Friday was Dante's downtown Portland, Oregon. It was great. We had uh, uh, Patrick Lamb showed up, uh, which will be playing uh, the New Year's Eve Governor's Ball to Sentinel, downtown Portland. That's awesome. On New Year's Eve. So come down and check us out there. And then, of course, on Saturday, we played for DDA, which is Dual Diagnosis Anonymous. And uh, that was out in Hillsboro, Oregon. Had a great time. The director of the facility um, was just, he he was a dancing fool. Nice. Oh, he was great. I know you all were looking forward to that Dante show. Yeah, the Dante show. It, that's uh, that was just so good. The sound system was so good. Uh, wish you know we had a lot more people show up, but uh, I think people were kind of doing their Christmas things and whatever. Right on. But we had a great time. Awesome. I've never played there actually. One of the few <laughs> places in Portland I've never played. Yeah, it's great. You should try to get down there. Right on. Well, guess what? All on, all on is going to be my co-host today. There you go. He's our sound guy, but uh, he's going to be chiming in here today, and we're going to have fun. Dave's not here. I, I'm not sure uh, who I'm going to be able to make fun of. Uh, Dave is usually the bread of all my really super cool jokes. But let's get on with our guest. Today's right. guest is Brandon Lowry, founder of Royal Touch Mobile Detailing. And he's one of those people who gives back. In 2017, he was an instructor in the Inmates to Entrepreneurs program in Raleigh, North Carolina. Passing along knowledge, he learned the hard way, establishing Royal Touch. And Royal Touch runs the gamut of giving you a nice clean car to real car junkie services, such as ceramic gloss, coating, window tinting, and waterless detail, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> We're going to find that out, aren't we? And uh, you know what? You can check out his website at uh, royaltouchmdllc.com. You people in the greater Raleigh area can book an appointment online for your car, RV, boat, motorcycle, and probably your kid's tricycle, too. You got one of those, don't you, Alan? Yeah, I got, a, I got a little one and I got a big one. Those are still fun. Welcome to the show, Brandon Lowry. Hey, how you doing? We're good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Trying to make it out here. Right. So you're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, I'm I'm actually in uh, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. I'm probably like 30, 30 minutes away from Raleigh. Uh, a little town called Pittsburgh. County name is uh, Chatham County. That's where I kind of grew up at. So, yeah. 
not too far. I'm like right in the middle of North Carolina. Well, you know, why don't we uh, why don't we go back a little bit? We like to do this and uh, kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on how your life was when you were a kid, and the things you know, the situations that brought you to the point where you obviously ended up uh, doing a little bit of time. Um. Well, I originally moved down here uh, to North Carolina from New York in '99. So I've been there since 1999, and it was just me and my mom, uh, single parent. My dad wasn't really in the picture too much. He was in and out. So we decided to move down here in North Carolina because this is where the rest of our family was at. And uh, my grandmother uh, was, she was diagnosed with her. Progressive things, and we wanted to try to get her down here with the rest of her kids, another cat down here, but we didn't, it didn't work out like that. She she died uh, in New York, so we had already made plans to come, so we wound up coming down here. Um, it was a little bit more fast paced up there in New York, so when I got down here, I was kind of like ripping and running. Um, how, how old were you then, years. Brandon? Huh? How old were you then when you moved from New York to uh, North Carolina? Uh, I was 13. Yeah, I was 13. So up there in New York, I was driving, not legally, but I was driving and doing all kind of stuff going around the city. So when I came down here, I was still doing the same same stuff. I had a free range of things I can get into. A lot of my family down here... Uh, Went into drugs, sold drugs, did drugs, so it wasn't it wasn't hard to get. So, uh, but saying that, I wound up going to prison, 2012, for uh, for armed robbery, about five years, four months, three weeks, like two days. I wound up doing about out 2012, and. Um, I think that's what, like, I don't regret going to prison because I think that was the best thing for me to do. Uh, really open my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, friends I was dealing with, I really got to work on myself, figure out what I wanted to do, who I was, because before prison, I was, I was kind of, so I was straddling the fence. Like, I had a job, but I still did street stuff. So I couldn't really decide who I was going to be. I was going to be a good guy or I was going to be you know, some street guy. So I kind of scared of my show defense for a while. And every time I would progress on the positive side, some of my negative habits and occupations would kind of mess it up. push me like 15, 20 steps backwards. So that was just like the story of my life before prison. So, um, going back how many times did you end up going to prison, or was just going to prison once enough for you? Um, no, I went for like 90 days for a probation violation. Um, that really didn't, that didn't do anything. I went to high rise, so, um, a youth camp in, um, Morganton High Rise in North Carolina, and that really didn't help. That kind of just fueled, fueled my my young mentality. You know, what I'm saying in the streets, it didn't it didn't really change anything. I wasn't gone long enough to really see the the effect that going to prison really does to you. If you don't do more than five years, you really you haven't really missed anything. You understand? So. Uh, the streets still remember you. They still write to you. You know what I'm saying? 90 days, people still remember you. When you do five yeah. years, <laughs> the letters stop. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was me too. You know, back when I was younger, I, I I would go to you know the jail, the county jail, for just little stints. But of course, you know, I in my mind the whole time I was in there, I couldn't wait to get back out and get back into the same old lifestyle. 
So, yeah. so you go to prison for five years, and then something happened in there. What, what was it in there that, that made you uh, make a decision that this wasn't really going to be what you wanted to do the rest of your life? Well, just like I was saying, I started to really see the people that I was associating with, how quick they could move on, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, because I would say two and a half years in um, is when I really made my change in my life, like, fully. So I got my GED. I started taking uh, college courses. I started getting my welding diploma. I got that. I got all these different trades about two and a half years in. And I was trying to prepare myself to, for when I got out so I could have options. You know what I'm saying? I already knew I had to check that box when I got out. I was going to move forward. But if I could at least show uh, accomplishments in prison, it might give me a leg up. So I would say two and a half years into my to my bid uh, is when I really changed uh, my life over. It really wasn't nothing that happened in there. I didn't it was Did, typical prison stuff, but did you have, when you were in there, did you have, uh, was there anybody else in there um, that had started to change their lives uh, that kind of became a mentor or, or an example for you to, get, you know, to figure out what was going on? Well, yeah, I can, I can trace back to one person in particular, and we're still, like, he's like my brother to this day. We, uh, he's actually taught it with me on my detailing and uh, we started a, a dog trail together too so he got really close to me uh, I would say he kind of took me under his wing it wasn't more or less trying to but I can really relate to him a little bit more so just like I tell the guys when I uh, go back into the prisons to talk is the best place to change is, is in prison if you can't change in there, it's going to be really hard to do it out here because there's no boundaries out here in the free world. So if you can't structure yourself and think positive in there, it's going to be really hard to do it out here. So I believe uh, talking to him and getting to know him really helped that process in prison. But I've always been a, a leader kind of guy. I wasn't never a follower. People always followed me. So standing on my own two feet in there wasn't really hard. It was just me saying, all right, I'm not going to do this no more. I'm just going to do this. It's kind of like that. So the the Inmate to Entrepreneurs program, um, were you able to take advantage of that while you were in, or is that something that, uh, you you know, you got into once you got out? Um, No, that's something I got into after I was released. Uh, Actually, I was introduced to inmates entrepreneurs program through another program that I currently serve on the board with and that's Step Up Ministries and Robert. So I, I was already kind of volunteering my time because I can uh, I can hold them accountable to a lot of my success as far as with my business and help me build a foundation uh, when I got out of prison, because in 2012, I actually got in contact with that program called Step Up Ministries. It's a second chance program to try to help you get a job. But they also have a life skills program, an entrepreneurship program, and a lot of other things that can help you build a good foundation uh, for yourself after getting out of prison. Uh, so I took advantage of that, and then that led me to MA Entrepreneurs. And then when I found out that they were going into the prisons, that was something that when I was in prison, I said I wanted to do. Because I already knew that I just had a feeling that I would be successful when I got out. So if it happened like that, I wanted to give back and they do it for free. So that's more genuine and not making people pay for it. So that's something that I liked about well, you know, me and Dave met uh, in a prison here in Oregon. It's called Snake River Correctional Institution in Ontario, Oregon. 
And when we got out, you know, Dave started uh, Dave's Killerbred <clears throat> and was was able to go back into Snake River. And, you know, that it was a really big thing for us. You know, I got to go in there with him. And that was um, quite a thing. You know, I mean, I remember going in there and being on the other side and having the guards and the administration treat you different, you know, because you were in there volunteering your time and trying to change people's lives. How was that for you the first time that you went back in there and was able to, you know, to talk to the inmates? Uh, it was great. Uh, just like I tell them every time, that's the highlight of my day. Like I look forward to coming in there and talking to them and really letting them see that you can make it. Like, give them some more confidence. Because a lot of guys in there, they give up on themselves. Like, they, they really do. Like, they, they feel like, all right, I got these strikes. Uh, it's going to be 10 times harder to do such and such. Uh let me just keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? They, they give up on this way. But when they see somebody come back in there and be like, look, you can, you can make it. And they're giving you the information. You're not having to pay for it. The only thing you have to do is give your time and listen and actually put actions to the dreams and things that you want to get done. So it's, it's great for me. I love going. Love, I love it to death. I, I can stay there all day. Well, you know, to them. Dave always used to say, you know, that uh, people would always ask him, um, Do you, are, are you part of AA or NA or all this stuff? This is back in the bakery days when he was speaking at prisons and juvenile facilities. And he was saying, you know what? This is my AA. When I come in and I speak to, you know, these uh, juvenile um, facilities and the prisons and wherever, he says, this is my AA. This is what keeps me going. This is what feeds me because it's just, you know, such a satisfying thing to be able to go in and, you know, hopefully touch one or two people in there to change their lives around. Yeah, that's true. I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And it keeps me, keeps me focused. And it fuels me when things get tough and business gets hard. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy on your own business. You got to stay motivated 24 7, uh, 365. Uh, and you got to be on top of everything. So it gets stressful. And, and uh, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't say on your own business is the easiest thing, but it's very beneficial at times. But it's hard at times too. So, yeah, that just keeps me going because I can't go in there and teach you about entrepreneurship or about positive life if I'm not living it. So every time that just fuels me. All right, so let's go back, and uh, I want to hear how your business started. Where was the Where was the first idea, and you know how did you get this thing rolling? Did you get this rolling before you got out of prison, or is this something you started once you got out of prison? Because I know a lot of guys, they're sitting in there, they got a lot of time on their hands, and so you know, and that's the kind of the message we like to get out to uh, to these guys and, and women that are in prison is that it doesn't start when you get out. You know, it starts when you're in there. Those ideas, those those things that are going to carry you on to a successful life, they start in there. So how did how did that come about for you? Well, actually, um, while I was in there, I was kind of preparing myself because when I took my uh, my welding class, I wanted to weld because I was doing a lot of research in there. And I heard they made a lot of money. I wasn't really on. Uh, having my own business in prison, it's always been like in the back of my mind, but just, just like I was saying, building up your confidence to, to actually believe that you can own your own business. Cause I didn't know anything about business, but I knew about wealth and I researched it and that's what I wanted to do. So when I got out, um, it was really hard for me to get on a welding job cause I didn't have the, the experience that everybody was looking for. I still wasn't thinking about business then. But when I got in touch with the Southern Ministries, that's when my business stuff started to click. Because a co-partner that I was teamed up with, we were talking, and he really broke down how easy it was to start a business. So 
actually my first business, which I still currently have. I'm in the process of selling. I have a, a, a landscaping business. That was my first business I started in 2013. So that was my first initial business that I like, grew all the way up. Now I'm in the practice of trying to sell it. You know what I'm saying? Because I like landscaping, but I don't like it as much as doing detailing. So I wasn't as passionate about detailing as, I mean, about landscaping as I am detailing. So once I started the landscaping company, I started selling money to start my detailing company. Well, you know, Brandon, that's that's a great lesson right there, you know, for the guys and gals listening is that, you know what, start something. Take it, you know, take advantage of what, you know, you have available when you get out. The landscaping business obviously propelled you into something, uh, you know, more significant, something that you enjoy. And, uh, you know, I, I always say that. You know, you got to take advantage of the situation that you're in at the moment. You know, there's so many of these jobs out there available that are just the basic jobs of life. You know, you don't have to start some big computer company or some some big, you know, some big company. Start with something small because you're an example of how it can go from a landscaping business. Now you got the detail and who knows where it's going to go. But Brandon, um yeah. If you just give me one moment, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. You know what, Alon? Dave didn't sound like he was too sick right there, did he? No, he sounded pretty okay to me. I'm thinking he's faking it. You know what? He's probably out in the lobby just like with a disguise on just to play with us or something like that. I think he might be uh, doing one of those undercover boss things or Mm -hmm. something. He's a secret shopper. Oh, my gosh. Was that me? He could have been that Santa we seen on the streets when we were coming in. Hell, that makes a lot of sense. It does. He's gained some weight. It's because Christmas is over and Dave isn't clued in or something. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to our uh, our guest, Brandon Lowry. All right, Brandon. So now you got your your detail business. Now, how did you get into that? What you know? Do you have uh, like me? I have a love for cars. I just love classic cars. I love uh, new cars. You know the cool ones. How did you get into the the detailing business? Um, well, while doing my landscaping, I had a guy that, um, actually detailed my trips and all the time. And, uh, I got to talking to him and I seen his little setup and it was usually one man show, stuff like that. And then I was like, just like you said, uh, I do have a passion for cars. I love, I love older cars. Um, I'm a, uh, 52, 55 Air kind of guy. I love those. I love the Novas and all that stuff like that. Um, so when I started to kind of crunch the numbers, and just like I said before, when I was incarcerated with, we went 300 a piece on starting the detailing business. So we started with dollars And that's another thing that I like about um, MX Entrepreneurs to show you how to start low capital businesses, something that you can start few months after getting out and it doesn't take that much money because my landscaping company I started with borrowed equipment like I didn't own the truck I didn't own the lawnmower I didn't own none of the stuff all I had was probably like $20 in flyers or the flyers that's all I had when I started so I started my detailing company with $600 I just started telling people I washed cars 
and I'm very detail oriented. You know what I'm saying? So with that that skill or O C D or whatever you wanna call it, uh it kinda meshed real good with detailing cars, paying attention to detail. Especially how I started it. A lot of colors, you know, seeing a messed up car turn into a perfect car. Like my goal in the beginning, and it still is to have the customer say the car look better than when they first got it. Like if they don't say that, I feel like I didn't do a good job. So and did you get any training for the detailing, or is it something you just kind of put your head down and picked up on? Yeah, in the beginning, it was just something that I picked up on. But over the over the time, I took in classes and courses and you know, some different stuff to perfect my craft. Uh, I have way better equipment than I had when I first started. So, yeah, I've done stuff to perfect it. Um, to where it's at now, but in the beginning, you know, it was just tried. I just was looking for dirt and finding ways to get it out. So, especially so, um, explain to me um, what waterless detail means. What does that mean? So, you know, the ceramic gloss coating, window tinting, and waterless detail. Yeah, waterless detailing. Like, I can go into a showroom floor, car, um, and do the whole car inside and out with uh, 24 ounce uh, box, spray box. That's the, the windows. That's, I need to shampoo the stain out. Um, the exterior of the car, the rims, pretty much the whole car with one spray bottle. And I probably won't even use the whole spray bottle. It's a chemical that um, another detail in North Carolina uses and makes itself. And um, he's patented and all this stuff like that. He's just not mainstream across the U.S., but he's in a few states on this side. I know South Carolina, Virginia, and North Carolina, for sure. He's probably in the place of the but it's a chemical that he used and it came across. Uh, somebody introduced me to him, and it works great. Like, I tested it out for a few months, and then I just started buying it from him. So, but I, I use that when I need to, say if it's raining, um, and they have a garage. So I'm strictly mobile. Like, I'm working on getting a shop now. But as of right now, I'm strictly mobile, so I just go to the person. So if they have a garage and it's raining, I still can do their car. Uh, and I have a few uh, places where I go to the car, car dealerships so they don't have to take the cars out of the showroom floor and come and wash them, wax them, something like that. That's pretty cool. That's, that's real smart. So, uh, just like your landscape business, obviously you started that um, by yourself. You probably uh, started doing some, some care for people, and then it grew. Um, so... Where are you at with your with your detail business right now? Is it just you, or do you have other employees working for you? Uh, as of right now, like during the summer summer months, I have some people that I bring on because that's probably the peak time of the year for me. But like the winter months, it's a one man show. I'm trying to step that up this year because I started my I started my last my detailing. Uh, that like the end of 2015 but i was doing detailing in landscaping at the same time so they kind of was like i was bouncing back and forth but this year right here is like my first full year of just doing nothing but detailing so i'm kind of it's really like it's my first year if you really think about it so uh right now it's just a one man show next year i'm trying to um give me a shop and put uh, two or three more vans on on the road. So I'm trying to step that up this year. Well, just coming in. So your um, your business right now, is it just basically you or you have a couple employees working with you? No, it's just a one-man show right now. One-man show. One-man show. And your mm-hmm. clients, are they individuals mostly or dealerships or a little good balance of both? No, I have, I have a dealership. I have commercial stuff. I had a residential stuff, 
to do stuff at the schools for the two kids. Oh, really, nice. I got a bunch of different stuff going on. So when uh it's just all in appointments. Everything's scheduled on appointments, so so when you get a chance to go back in on the uh, the uh, inmate entrepreneur program, um, what kind of advice, what kind of uh, things do you talk to these inmates about to help them, you know, kind of realize that they can do the same thing that you've done? Well, when I teach a class, basically the inmates entrepreneurs is um, organization is healthy, still a low capital business. So we go through first steps, we go through finance, we go through customer service, marketing, pretty much all the key things that you need to run to start and run a business. So that's anywhere from you know, from picking the right name, uh, knowing when to incorporate, you know what I'm saying, different ways to market, pre market, pay market, all kind of stuff. So we try to hit, you know what I'm saying, all the the key things and leave them with uh, information to help them guide them through, help them start uh, write a business plan, you know what I'm saying, all the different aspects of entrepreneurship you talk about when you go into a business. Like, I talk about that, and if they need some, like, just regular motivational stuff or the conversation leads to, because I, I get a lot of questions about... <clears throat> Like what was my turning point or my crossroad or something like that? A lot of people always ask me that because I guess they're struggling with when should they try to change their life or they don't know how to change their life. And I tell them all the time that I changed in prison. Um, it's just I, I try to when I go in there, I try to stay focused on the entrepreneurship side of it, but sometimes. So no, now that you're you're out, and how long how long have you been out? When, when did you get out of prison? I got out uh, 2012, May the 27th, something like seven years. Yeah, seven years. So, so what? You know, getting out, doing the right thing. You know, starting your own business. Um, what type of an impact has that had on your family? I always like to hear the personal side. You know, I mean, you know, I know your family was kind of involved in whatever was going on back in the old days, but what kind of an impact have you had on your family getting out, doing the right thing, starting your own business and moving forward? Well, as far as like the side of the family, side of my family that I was running with before I went to prison, I don't deal with. Now, so I like cut all ties with them. I speak to them, I see them, stuff like that. It's not like nothing, anything like that, but I just don't deal with that side of the family. Because um, I'm trying to, you know, go a different route, not need any, any outside stuff. As far as with my mom, um, I think she's glad that I'm doing <laughs> doing better in life. Uh, I haven't, like my company hasn't uh, financially struck it rich, but I feel like I'm successful. All my bills are paid. My kids had a good Christmas, so I took care of that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess they're proud of me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, really, I'm kind of on the island with me and my wife, my two kids, well, my four kids. I'm really uh, with a lot of people. I kind of say to myself, uh, I, would, I would think they're happy about it. I know my wife and my kids are happy, so... So you, you were telling uh, us before we got on the air that uh, you have 10 Rottweilers? Yeah, yeah, I got 10. So I started uh, me, my wife, and my partner uh, in crime, uh, Andre Walker, we started... Uh, uh, Rockwater Channel. Oh, so, yeah, we have 10, yeah, 10 all together. Yeah. So, you guys breed them and then sell them? Yeah, we're, we're transitioning into selling protection dogs. So, um, we're, we're, 
working our way into that kind of field, showing the dogs and having protection grade dogs. So you started the landscape business. Now you got the detail business. Obviously, things are progressing. What do you see for your future? Where where do you see down the road a little bit? I'm sure that eventually you'll get your own your own shop. Your detail business will take a take another lift from that. But what do you see yourself? You know, five, ten years down the road, where where are you going? Five to ten years down the road, I'm going to have a, because I want to get into show cars. I want to get into racing. I want to actually convert my detailing company into where, because as of right now, we do mobile. We do tinning. We do brake change, uh, oil change, tune-ups, full service, um, detailing for all makes and models of cars, RVs, boats, trucks, all that stuff like that. But I want to actually get to where we, we build motors, we paint cars, do body work. Pretty much all the places that you would go for an automobile, I want under one house. That's where I'm really trying to, like, take my detail to. So do do you watch all those shows, you know, uh, Bitchin' Rides and all those shows? Yeah, that's oh my gosh! This that's my shows uh, right there every night, boy. (laughs) Velocity, you know. uh, Street Outlaws, and uh, I watch all that stuff. Yeah, what do you what do you drive, Brandon? What's your ride? What Uh, are you driving? As of right now, I have a Honda Accord, I have a Chevy Tahoe, and I have a. uh, Caprice Classic, 79. Um, I have it, like I said, I want that Bel Air, that 52 or that 55, mm-hmm. that's my dream car. So oh, yeah. Whenever I strike it big, when I was start really making some money, that's the first time yeah. Awesome. You know, you hear those stories about um, people picking up different cars and stuff, you know, for just unreasonably low prices. You know, when I was a kid, I was 19 years old. I was. I actually got a '57 two-door Bel Air for forty-eight dollars. Oh, shut up. Was it for, running? It was running. Get out. Yeah, I was. We. I used to drive through this little town called Blue River, and I seen this '57 on the side of the shack that looked like it was just about ready to fall over on it. One day, I stopped there and asked the old man. I said, "Hey, what are you going to do with that car?" And he says, "Well, I'd like to get it out of there before the shed falls on it." I was like, well, how much do you want for it? And he says, well, take a hundred bucks for it. And I was like, what? I had a little two-door Rambler. It was my first car. That's a nice car, too. And I went into town. My brother wanted to buy it, but all he had was 50 bucks. And so he gave me the 50 bucks. I gave my friend $2 for gas to give me a ride back out there. And I was just going to give the $48 to the old man to hold the car until Friday when I got paid. And he just told me, he says, that's enough, just take it. And it started up right there and you well, drove it off? Or we you... drove it down the road to my Boy Scout leader's house, uh-huh. drained the old fuel out of it because it had been sitting there for about 10 years, and started right up and I drove it home. Boom. Just like that. Boom. Yeah, those are the good old yeah. days. Uh, I wish I still had that. I'd take it to Brandon and let him detail it for me. <laughs> nice drive I've across the country, too. I've one before, too. <laughs> um, there's a guy in my uh, where I live at. My county, I do this for him. He has a black and white one. He said, it's the 55 same year that I want. I was just in, like, a kid in the candy store doing that car. He's a, he shows that car, so it was nice, too. Nice. So how often do you uh, get a chance to go in and uh, talk to the guys in there on the in- Inmate Entrepreneurs Program? Free, and I can do it, or if it's far enough out that I can schedule around it. 
and I'll, I'll volunteer for it. But last month, you know, last month I did four, four classes. And then we also do the eight-week courses out here, like once they've been released. It's pretty much the same course that we do in there. It's just eight-week. So they turn it all in one day. We break down the stages in individual classes for eight weeks. We got one starting in Durham, North Carolina, uh, this seventh. It's the first class. Are these the first um, steps? Are these usually minimum security prisons that you guys go into, or do you guys also go into the max? No. Uh, last month I did a federal federal camp, Butner, in Butner, North Carolina. Um, no. It depends on whoever, you know what I'm saying, the director in there that wants to, you know what I'm saying, do something to help the guys, and they call us. So, well, Brandon, we're going to go to another break and we will be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and you get a $150 credit. You know, um, I'm sitting in Dave's chair today, right? So if Dave's out there listening, I, I just wanted to let him know that I've passed gas in this chair at least three or four times. So when you get back, you know, you'll have something to remember me by. Aw. Isn't that sweet? You're so thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon. So, um... I want to get back to something that you said earlier about this other, it must be a prison ministry or something like that, that led you to going into the entrepreneur's program. How did that work out, and, and what program is that? Uh, the program is Step Up Ministries, and I actually got introduced to that program to my now, from my now mother-in-law. Um, when I first got out, uh, I guess her, her daughter told her I was in prison and you know, she was just trying to help me out. She bumped into a lady and then, you know, I guess we were talking about that or people that had been incarcerated or whatnot and told me about the program. So I went to the program, went through their jobs program. Um, I mean, three months after that, they placed me into, got me some employment, or helped me get employment. And then I got into the life skills program. Uh, the program is a year commitment. They help you with financing, budgeting, working on your credit. Basically the foundations that you would need to be, you know, some productive person and uh, take care of your bills and stuff like that. I was in if I'm getting a car and you know, some of that stuff like that. Uh, when I got introduced to them, I was really liking it. You know, some so we did a program, did the jobs program, did the life skills program, did the alumni program, as far as that's like a, a small version of entrepreneurship class. And I liked it so much, I wound up going back to volunteer my time to help other people that were coming behind me in the life skills program. And from there, I've been doing that ever since 2000, end of 2013. I still do it to this day. Um, Co-filming. And just like I said before, I've done so much stuff with this program. Now I'm on the board. So I'm, working, I'm going on my second year on the board of that nonprofit. Uh, That's fantastic. You know, um, when I got out, Back in uh, 2008, you know, I was fortunate enough to um, 
to know, you know, I met Dave in prison and I didn't even know that Dave had started this, you know, went back to his family's bakery and started a new bread line. I didn't even know that. And so when I got out, I just called him to say hi and see how he was doing and eventually led me to going to work for the bakery. Um, I know that's an important thing, you know, in people's life. I know when I was in there, I, I thought to myself, man, you know, is anybody even going to employ me? You know, am I employable? Um, I had that fear. Am I even going to be able to get a job when I get out with, you know, my record? Um, but, you know, that's something that that um, there's people out there, like what you're saying about this, this prison program, this ministry, um, they help. Um, and, you know, that's... I, I wish there was a book somewhere for each state where they, you know, had all these resources lined up for, for these guys and women getting out of prison. They could just go to this book and look and see where they're at and, and all these resources that they have because it it's out there. And if you look for it, I mean, look where it brought you. You know, you got out. These people helped you get a job. You started your business, and, and, and now you're, you're doing really successful today. So... Kudos to those people that, you know, have those programs. Yeah. It was for me um, for that, even to also help the people that have gotten out of prison, but to kind of stop people from going. You know what I'm saying? It, a lot of things needs to change. And, uh, like, I'm in the process of, uh, of starting my own nonprofit. It's like, it's up in, in the clouds right now, but I'm trying to put all the pieces together. Uh, it's, uh, you want change and help change. And it's kind of for people that's incarcerated, uh, just people that just need guidance. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if you have an opinion about something, you need to be trying to do something to, you know what I'm saying, help the problem that you're, you're speaking on. If you're not doing anything to help it, to change it, yeah, I agree. You know, at one point, you know, when Dave, um, you know, Dave sold Dave's Killer Bread a while back down, you know, to 2015. But um, about a third of the employees at Dave's Killer Bread, uh, you know, were ex-felons um, given a second chance. So is that something that, you know, when you get your business and it gets bigger, are, are you going to... Are you going to be able to do that? Or are you thinking about doing that to help other guys and, and girls getting out of prison? I've already done that because um, through that program, Southwood Ministries, I put my landscaping business and my detailing business up there. So the people that I said that I use during the summer are people from that program. Like, I haven't hired, like, just a regular person also the street. I always go to certain places where I know people need jobs that I'm having a hard time getting them. So when I need people and I need to employ somebody and I tell them like it's just in the summer and stuff like that, they'll still jump on board. So I, I've already done that and will continue to do that too. Well, that's good. It's amazing what, what can happen, you know, to, uh, to somebody given that second chance. I know that when I was at the bakery, it was just amazing that, you know, Dave would hire, you know, an ex-felon to get on there, and they just became just these overachievers there. You know, they some of them would fall mm -hmm. off, you know, the, the track and do whatever. But some of these guys, because nobody else would give them the opportunity, they just ran with okay. it. You know, they became supervisors and managers, and, boy, oh. they just they took advantage of that situation, you know. Mm -hmm. well, uh, I believe the people that are in prison are... Other the smartest and driven people, and I tell them all the time when I go talk to them, you're so you, you can come up with so many different ideas, do something criminal, negative. If you just turn that switch and turn that creativity to positive, you can go really far. You know what I'm saying? Really, really far because it, it, it's really just building their confidence. Yeah. Like when you when you grow up in a certain area and that's all you see is drugs, and when people do make it, they leave. You don't really see, you know, because a lot of people don't see success until you, until you've gotten it. You've gotten the big house, the nice car. You know what I'm saying? They they can see the money on you. 
but they don't never see all the stuff you did prior to getting there. They don't see that. Right. So when you finally make it and you leave, they're like, well, that just came out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? I got to hit the lottery or something like that to, to get to where he's at. But they don't stay to teach you and show you, like, step here, don't step there. Step here, don't step there. Because I've helped some of the guys that I did hire, two of them, I've helped them start their own deep business. So in, wow. in North Carolina, we work the same areas, you know, saying we, we pass. If I can't get to it, I'll, I'll call one of them, see if they can get to it, and they do the same for me. Wow, that's but, great. like, anybody, like, entrepreneurship can be taller. Some people have a natural, you know what I'm saying, gift, and others need to be taught. But if anybody gets in the car with me, I try to pour it. Whatever information that I have, that day into them. And then tomorrow I'll probably know something else. So I'm always trying to better myself and learn and, and grow, embrace change day to day. So I pull whatever I got that day into them. And tomorrow I might have a little bit more. <laughs> Well, you know, Brandon, I, I want to tell you that, um, you know, I'm proud of you. Um, I don't get a chance to do that very often with our guests, you know. Um, it just amazes me how um, guys can get out, and if they're determined and uh, they have the drive, they can do this. So, look, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to close this show down, but can you just uh, throw out anything you want on your, your Facebook, your website, anything you want to throw out there right now, just throw it out. Um, Realtors Mobile Detailing LLC. Um, it's the same on my Facebook, Royal Touch, at Royal Touch, uh, MB. Uh, just look me up. Uh, it was great being on the show. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. All right, man. Well, you know what? It's time to get back in there and deal with those Rottweilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Brandon, thanks again. And thanks for joining us right, this man. week on Felony Inc. Podcast. Uh, join us every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time at StartupRadioNetwork.com um, and catch upon previous episodes on our podcast app. If you know what's good for you, you'll shut up and listen. If you don't, I can't promise that we won't show up at your place late at night and make you listen. Breaking and entering? Ha. Ha. This will be full on breaking and listening. Right on. And also, listeners, don't forget to leave a uh, review for Felony Inc. podcast on iTunes. If it's a good one, we might even read it right here on the air. And coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your hosts, Edgar Navas and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so cuanta madera podría tirar una marmota si una mandibla de madera podría tirar madera? You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.